are they just crying wolf or is it some kind of angry nag, nag, nag? Find out the role of the prophets on this episode of Inverse. Coming to you from Silver Spring, Maryland, welcome to Inverse, a Bible-based conversation on life principles, contemporary issues, and thought-provoking perspectives. Now here's your host, Justin Kim, with Inverse. The Hebrew prophets divided the Old Testament, what we know as the Old Testament, into three parts. The Torah, the law, we looked at it a couple weeks ago. They look at the, the writings, we looked at it a couple weeks ago. And on this episode, we're looking at the prophets. Are the prophets kind of an old group of people who are just nagging society? Or are they crying wolf and just have nothing else to do? We'll find out here, once we have prayer, we're going to read from Scripture and get into the Bible. So welcome, you guys. Welcome. Thanks. To Inverse, well, thanks for joining us here again, okay. flying from all over parts of the world, wherever you're from. Uh, let's have a word of prayer, and we'll get started. Callie, please pray for us. Yes. Father in heaven, thank you for the privilege it is to study your word, and I pray that you would guide us by your Holy Spirit, help us to understand the role of the prophets and how these principles apply to our lives and our interactions with others. Guide us by your Holy Spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So we're going to go to First Samuel chapter 8. 1 Samuel chapter 8, verse 10 through 18. 1 Samuel is right before 2 Samuel. Chapter 8 verse is before verse cha- chapter 9. Okay, I'll stop. Yeah. Read verse, verse 10, please. I'm going to read, okay. <laughs> save them, see who saved Verse 10. So Samuel told all the words of the Lord to the people who asked him for a king, and he said, This will be the behavior of the king who will reign over you. He will take your sons and appoint them for his own chariots and to be his horsemen. And some will run before his chariots. He will appoint captains over his thousands and captains over his fifties, will set some to plow his ground and reap his harvest, and some to make his weapons of war and equipment for his chariots. He will take your daughters to be perfumers, cooks, and bakers. And he will take the best of your fields, your vineyards, and your olive groves, and give them to his servants. He will take a tenth of your grain and your vintage and give it to his officers and servants. And he will take your male servants, your female servants, your finest young men and your donkeys and put them to his work. He will take a tenth of your sheep and you will be his servants. And you will cry out in that day because of your king whom you have chosen for yourselves. And the Lord will not hear you in that day. Okay, well, this episode we're looking at prophets, yeah? Um, Israel, well, we, look, we just read this passage, but not this passage, but as in general, what's the role of the prophets? Yeah, this, well, this passage is going to give us a glimpse yep. into, into what is sure. taking place. And so I think breaking down what this passage is saying will be helpful for us. Um, th- if you contrast and compare this passage with, like, let's say, the Joshua, Joshua chapter 1, you have a little bit of a difference between what God will do as king and as ruler and what a human king is going to do. Okay. If, you, if you look at Joshua chapter 1, it's like everywhere that your foot touches, I have given to you as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. And so you have God is speaking directly to Joshua, and he's saying, I'm going to give to you. I'm going to give to you. I'm going to give to you. Then you go to First uh, Samuel chapter 8, and then those, uh, those verses that Sigurd just read, it's like if you get a king, he's going he's gonna to take, take from you. He's going to take from yeah. you. He's going to take from you. So there's a very clear difference between how God operates and how humanity operates. So you're juxtaposing God as king and then a human being as king. Yes, mm-hmm. right. Now, so what is taking place with, with Samuel as the prophet, he's trying to open our eyes to see God's point of view. Mm-hmm. 
What does this tell us? What does this tell us about ourselves? It tells us that as human beings, we're naturally creatures that are not for justice, but for greed. That's the challenge. Ultimately, we think, man, I want justice. I want justice. We don't want justice. We, it's, it's really something that is, springs forth from greed. Let me just underscore you. Uh, human beings will naturally gravitate towards... Towards greed as towards opposed greed to justice. greed and injustice. But yeah. it seems like even in this passage, in the human endeavor for justice, mm-hmm. they end up getting even deeper into injustice. Right, yeah. yeah. Uh, Callie, let's go to Callie and go okay. back to Israel. All right, okay. Callie, go ahead. <laughs> Sorry, okay, so I, the this reasoning here... <laughs> Calm down. So the reasoning, though, too, is it's not even like they're they're saying, like, we want injustice or we want, like, a yeah, king to take. Yeah. It's they're actually fixated on something else, and that's in verse 19. Verse 19, okay. Chapter, Chapter 8, verse 19. Samuel, mm-hmm. says, nevertheless, so after all those things, the king's going to take, 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 this is how he's going to take. Nevertheless, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel, and they said, no, but we will have a king over us, that we also may be like all the nations, that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. Mm-hmm. So it's not even like they're saying, like, no, it's okay, we like kings to take from us, and we want our, our daughters to be perfumers and cooks like they're just like no okay 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 but like we want a king which want a king Mm -hmm. and it's like this hyper fixation on what i want and i feel like a role of the prophets and here and throughout the old testament is like a reality check Mm -hmm. so you're so fixated on this one thing and they're like can you please open your eyes and see all the things that are happening can you stop like just focusing on what you want Mm -hmm. and notice the injustice that's going on noticing how people are suffering and notice how you're destroying your community and the entire nation it's like no we just want a king that's it just, mm-hmm. just to put a text to what you're saying, the role of a prophet in verse 9. Um, verse 9. In verse, nine, in verse 9, yeah. Okay, so we read one verse after and I read one verse before. Okay. <laughs> and <laughs> this is the oh, Lord. Okay, context is good. Balance. Yeah. Yes. The Lord is speaking to Samuel. Um, he says, Now therefore heed their voice, however, you shall solemnly forewarn them mm. and show them the behavior of the king who will reign over them. Yep. So God sends... Samuel as a prophet to forewarn them of what's going to happen. Yes, you you may choose to go this route, but this is the re- these are the results of your actions. This is these are the consequences mm-hmm. of the path that you're choosing to take. So, prophet says as God's voice, his mouthpiece to to forewarn to give you the results of the choices that you're making. Um, and I believe that God's hope is that you would change your mind. But like Kelly read, they're like, yeah, yeah, but we still want what we want. It seems yeah. like the system of the kingship is not bad. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I think they were saying, hey, the, it's efficient if we put all of our eggs, eggs in one basket, eggs in one basket, okay. uh, this king will be efficient for us. He'll fight all of our battles. He will execute justice. He will execute mercy. So it's not the kingship that's the problem. But here God is saying the person who is the king... Yeah. The, the hum- humanness of it is the problem. Because it's not yeah. that they didn't have a king. They right. had a king. Who was God. God. Who was God. And so it wasn't even just like, we have a vacuum. God, can you please fill the vacuum? It's like, God, you're cool and stuff, but you're like too unconventional. So we want like a king like the other nations. Mm. And like he does go before them in all the battles, but we want to like see you on a horse. Mm. So we want to, we want like some tangible king. How, how do we do that today? Let's, 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 let's ask that question, maybe, maybe premature, but I, uh, that's my question now. Do we do that today? We can say in after hindsight, like ah, oh, these these dumb yeah. people. Dumb you know, people. Blah. Well, they're, they're, <laughs> they're, they're it's very essentially what they're doing is very simple. They're replacing the gift with the gift giver, right? And so, how do we do that today? We do this all the time. We think to ourselves, "All right, God, I need more money," and God's like, "Oh, I'm going to supply all your needs. I got you." Yeah, 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 but I need more money. 
and then and then it's like no no trust me and i'm going to trust you when you give me more money Mm -hmm. and then so then he says all right you want more money i'm going to give you more money and so he gives us the money and then not only do we start trusting the money but we start thinking the money is ours Mm -hmm. right we start holding on to the money money starts building up greed in our hearts and so this is what begins to dominate god i need a house mm-hmm. i'm going to provide you shelter and protection i know i know but i want everyone else has a house i want a house, yes. want a house. okay i'm going to give you a house what ends up happening is this is my house don't put your hands on my white walls because you're going to make them dirty or hey you just broke my lamp you know hey you just broke my window hey don't drive on my grass right so all these different things happen i'm just Callie was visiting last week. That's true, I was. And so, <laughs> and so look what she did to did my she house. she drive over your flowers, yeah. too? <laughs> hey, what do you mean? <laughs> she yeah. over we can talk about this, guys, yeah. off air. So, so, you know, over and over and over again, what God tries to tell us through his prophets is, you know, there's, you, you are fundamentally not capable as a human being mm-hmm. to know what's even best for yourself. And what you think is justice is actually not justice, but is actually selfishness under the cloak of justice. Well, speaking of being a real, uh, we'll come to Kelly, but uh, you talked about houses, you talked about money. Uh, we do this, this is a quarter life or one third life crisis, you know, for all of our millennials and Z people out there. We do this for our boyfriends, girlfriends, spouses. We do this for our jobs. We just, just go down the line, everything. But as a society, are we doing this with our political leaders as well? Yeah. That we put our particular ideologies, if we just push this one person, then everything would be solved. And we lose hope in God as a result. Yeah. yeah. We want we want to force God into our politics, right? God, you have to be with this yeah, candidate. That is so tweetable. You know, that because so we want to force God out there. Tweet that right now. Wait for <laughs> yeah, okay. Kelly, we'll go back to you. Well, you kind of already glossed over it, but I just still want to emphasize that sometimes we we think that as long as we don't idolize bad things, then we're okay. Mm. But idolizing good things is still idolizing. Yes. So I think of relationships a lot. So I don't, I, you know, I'm still in my 20s, so I don't want a house. I rent, you know, it's fine. <laughs> and I don't have a lot of money because I'm in my 20s, so it's fine. But when I think about relationships or I think about if I just have a relationship with a godly person or I just have mm. enough friends that uplift me and if I just have a regular Bible study, like good, holy things, I have a godly community, then I'll be fulfilled. But even a godly community without worshiping Jesus first is an idol. Mm -hmm. And a fiancé who loves Jesus without me loving Jesus first is still an idol. And so these are good gifts from God. But like Israel was saying, you're exchanging the gift for the gift giver. And we're just going to end up like the Israelites. Like, thanks for all the bad things that will happen. That's cool, Jesus. But I still, I still what I want, what, what I want. Yeah, yeah man, man want. so many tweetable things yeah. that we'll use it. This is, this is an awesome episode. So much okay, Twitter so right now. Samuel, <laughs> yeah. so Samuel um, when, when they asked for a king, um, Samuel was discouraged by this request. Mm-hmm. Yes, but God, in verse 7, the Lord said to Samuel, Heed the voice of the people in all that they say to you, for they have not rejected you. Mm-hmm. Which speaks to how Samuel was feeling about their request. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And God's like, no, this isn't about you, but they have rejected me that mm-hmm. I should reign over them. And the sad part of this is God's intention for Israel was to have an intimate, personal, individualized relationship with this nation. Mm-hmm. But instead of that, they said, no, we want to be just like everybody else. And it makes me think in our relationship with God, God wants to have an individual, personalized, unique relationship with me. That's mm-hmm. different maybe from his relationship with Kelly. Yeah. That's different from his relationship with Israel. But I'm looking at Israel's life and being like, Lord, like, look at him. Like, he looks... He looks. He, he looks. He looks. He looks. He can see. He looks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
That's okay. interesting. So that was <laughs> I don't know how treatable secret. that is. That's offensive. He looks and like he looks. Uh-huh. But meanwhile, God is God is saying that He wants to, He's the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. He wants to be my God, he my wants to engage God. Engage each person. one of us. Right. Each one. He wants to engage you out there in a way that's totally unique. That the way He engages mm-hmm. Siku and engages me, and, and praise the Lord for that, yeah. because I don't want what Siku has, and I don't want what Kali has. And <laughs> okay. sometimes we want what what He He sees. Oh, looks, but we don't. We, sh- we shouldn't. We shouldn't. We shouldn't. Callie, and we'll I'll move say, on. We're just going back to the overarching theme of prophets. Yes. Of you know, Samuel is one of my heroes because of how faithful he was to what God called him to do, mm-hmm. even though it was excruciatingly painful. Not just here, but like there's there's later things that are worse. And that the role of the prophet is to be faithful to God, no matter how much other people take the faithfulness personally. Mm-hmm. And even if they're, oh, well, I don't like you, Samuel. You're, you're dumb. I don't like what you have to say. Like he's still loves and he still is faithful to what God has done. That's what all the prophets did. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's, that's, that should elicit something out of us to want to be faithful. Absolutely. And we have a role of, of being a prophet our, ourselves in mm-hmm. this day and age. Uh, when we come back after the break, we're going to look at one example of these prophets. We're going to look at the book of Amos. And it's going to take a while to get there. So why don't you turn your Bibles to the book of Amos. And when you get there, we'll come back after the break. Stay tuned. Has Inverse been a blessing to you? Do you have questions, comments, or feedback you'd like to leave us? Find us on social media by searching Inverse Bible on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or YouTube. While there, join us, like us, heart us, thumbs up us. Our handle again is Inverse Bible, no spaces. Now, back to the discussion. The role of the prophets is not to cry wolf, and it's not a nag. It is a revelation of God's heart to his people, as we've looked at in 1 Samuel chapter 8. Now, for the second half, we're looking at the book of Amos. And by now, you should have turned there. And if you're not there, you need some help. Uh, go to the table of contents. Not Callie's saying psychological help. Let's go to Amos chapter 1, verse 1. And uh, Israel, can you read verse 1 and 2 for us? The words of Amos, who was among the sheep herders of Tekoa, which he saw concerning Israel in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah, in the days of Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel, two years before the earthquake. And he said, The Lord roars from Zion and utters his voice from Jerusalem. The pastures of the shepherds mourn, and the top of Carmel withers. Can I ask this question? You maybe interject this into this passage here. We're looking at the book of Amos, and I know you have much to share, but it, it kind of starts off, can, can, can prophets be of a sort of a buzzkill? You know, like yeah. they yeah. they're kind of annoying, yeah, negative. Uh, this is the minor prophets, the, and I don't know some people. I think of the minor key. You know, it's kind of like <laughs> and, and uh, it's just kind of a downer. Uh, how, what can we say to encourage people to stick with the minor prophets and the prophets? Well, I think Kelly? a big thing is reality is reality, whether or not you like it. Mm. And so sometimes we do need a reality check, even if it's like, oh, but I was having such a good time. Like, yeah, but it yeah. was a false good time. So let's come back to reality. And it's not so much. And, you know, their, their messages are filled with hope, but it's like, you're not doing what you should be right now. Please return back to God and he will bless you. And da, da, da. So it's not just like, this is awful sadness. Like yeah. it's not just a one-sided message, but either trying to bring them back to a place of rejoicing and of positivity, but you have to go through the, the hard parts of repentance and surrender, mm-hmm. and then you can come back to that. So it's like it is a buzzkill, 
but it's for the sake of true joy mm -hmm. and true fulfillment. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I wanted to add to that Excuse that um, later on, as Amos is, is giving his prophecies, uh, he will come and try to, to shut him up, so to speak. Mm -hmm. and, and Amos says, look, I didn't choose, I didn't choose this. Like, I was, I was herding sheep, you mm -hmm. know? Like, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't get up and be like, oh, now I'm going to be... And I think about um, sometimes we may be called to be somewhat of a buzzkill in mm. some situations and circumstances yeah. um, with the message that we have to bring or, or the attitude that we need to bring to a situation and etc. Um, so I think sticking yeah. with reading the minor prophets and even sticking with being faithful to whatever God is calling us to do, which at times may not be as positive or as enjoyable as we would like. Yeah. Um, but he says, I, I got to speak because this is a message that God gave to me. And like what Callie was saying, ultimately, it's because God is trying to bring us back into a relationship with him. And, and, and like, I just want to put a caveat there. I mean, how many of you out there, you have that one person, maybe they're at your local church, and please don't point out who they are, but maybe that one person who, they, they are kind of naggy. They are kind of negative. They are a buzzkill in the bad way. And God isn't calling us to that. Mm -hmm. God is calling us to connect with his heart. And should that heart be dissonant with the surroundings around us, we are called to stand up for the right and reveal God's heart, yeah. not to just change the surrounding because we're annoyed with it. And there's, there's sometimes it looks a little similar, but there's a huge difference between those yeah. two worlds. Yeah. Okay, let's go. Oh, Callie, I was just going to say, I just, I, I, this is just so important, I think, for, for my generation, not mm -hmm. to exclude you guys, you know, because you're old and stuff, <laughs> but like my generation. Not that and, much older. Wrinkles are coming. <laughs> and just like the 10 years under me as well of we have this thing of like good vibes only. Like uh, only positivity yeah, 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 isn't yeah. the negative to say like yep. figure it out and then come back to us. And there is, yeah, like you said, in the church, you want to avoid like unnecessary negativity and things like that. Right. But there is sometimes like, well, I need to talk to this, like even like Matthew 18 stuff. I need to go resolve this issue. Well, I don't like bring up the issue. Let's ignore the issue. Yeah. Pretend that she doesn't exist. Conflict and, avoidance. And that becomes a community. Yeah. Like, let's just pretend everything's fine. And we need to get over that because that may be millennialist, but it's not biblical. Yeah. yeah. So. It is a phenomenon that we are avoiding these negative situations. Yeah. So we're ghosting. You guys heard yeah. of that? Where you just disappear from the situation altogether yep. and then appear in Fiji a couple months later on Instagram. I see, I, I, see, I see the prophets more playing like a role of a doctor or a teacher in that they're revealing to us our condition. Mm. When I was in so high this school... This is a diagnosis. A yeah, a diagnosis. Okay. Yes, yes. When, I was in, when I was in high school, the principal... A long time ago. A long mm -hmm. time ago. Mm -hmm. the, the principal came to the... Uh, I'm celebrating 20 years. Last year was 20 years since I graduated. Wow. So... You celebrate Kelly that. was yeah. Kelly was born. Was very yeah. small, so, uh, so the, the principal, we were in the dorm. We were in the guys' dorm, and we were having fun, messing around. Hey, what's going on? The principal walks in, and she's talking, and then she's like, all right. After her speech, she's like, okay, uh, Israel, I need you to come uh, with me. You're going to come to my house. And I was thinking like, uh-oh, you know, this is not good. You know, like when you visit the principal's office, it's bad. <laughs> when you visit the principal's house, <laughs> you're probably going to get kicked out. So... <laughs> So I went, I, went, I went to her house, and I remember to this very day, she, she had a big uh, um, table, dining, dining table, and I sat down, and she sat down next to me, and I was like super tense, and I'm like, what in the world? This is not very pleasant. And she said, you have a problem with English. I know it's hard to believe now. <laughs> but she's like, you know, you have a problem with English. And she's like, I need to teach you how to pass the English exam. And... It was one of the tensest moments of my life, having the principal Most next tense. to me. Most tense. Yeah. You're right. It was one of my most tensest moments. 
and, and, and she sat next to me, and, and she, she brought out the textbook, and, and she started working through the process with me. Mm. And then she said, you're really tense right now, aren't you? And I was like, yep. <laughs> and then, you know, she's like, don't worry, th- this is going to help. And so that moment, which was horrible, which was very tense, which to me was, it was one of the most difficult moments of my high school life, actually ended up preparing me to be able to the next day and the rest mm-hmm. of the year mm-hmm. have confidence in the, in the classroom. Mm-hmm. And so the prophets are that way. They, mm-hmm. they give us a diagnosis of the fact that we are in a position where we're lost, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it is a buzzkill because we're having so much fun, but that fun is leading us to it's lostness. Killing us. Yeah. Yeah, and so the prophets come by our side. They say, look, this is going to be tough. But in the end, you're going to thank me for this. Mm-hmm. And so the learning might not be a pleasant experience, but the end result, you're going to be very, very happy with. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like that's what the role of the prophets is. Mm-hmm. So let's, look, let's delve into this diagnosis. In chapter 1, verse 3, uh, throughout the first chapter, here God is diagnosing all the nations in the area. In verse 3, thus says the Lord, for three transgressions of Damascus and for four. So he's talking about Damascus there, and he mentions some specific sins. Verse 6, he talks about Gaza. Verse 9, he talks about Tyre. Verse 11, he talks about Edom. Verse 13, he talks about Ammon. And then verse chapter 2, verse 1, he talks about Moab. And I can just imagine, you know, like this, the, God is going around. And he's like, well, you did this, and you did this, and you did this. And perhaps even Israel may be thinking, yeah, oh, my goodness. Oh, man, he's going to stick it to him. And then, I mean, God's coming around full circle, though. Right, yeah. and yep. so now he's going to eventually going to reach justice. <laughs> yeah. so, so now we go to chapter two, verse four, two verse four, and uh, it goes to Judah and Israel. Why don't you read that for us? Verse Judah, four. yeah, uh, verse four. Thus saith the Lord: For three transgressions of Judah and for four, I will not turn away its punishment, because they have despised the law of the Lord, and have not kept His commandments. Their lies lead them astray, lies which their fathers followed. But I will send a fire upon Judah, and it shall devour the palaces of Jerusalem. Okay, so this is the southern kingdom, the, the brother of, of Israel. And what was the sin that they committed here, uh, Siku? Oh, they have not kept his commandments. Mm-hmm. Um, right, right. And so as a result of them not keeping the, God's commandments, it, it alters negatively their relationships with with other people, and they follow the lies of their father. Which is ironic. I mean, Judah was the one that was more faithful to the end. They were keeping the commandments, but here God's calling them straight out, like you're not, you're not keeping the heart of the commandments here. And then go to verse 6, and Callie, can you verse 6 for us? Yes, thus says the Lord, for three transgressions of Israel and for four, I will not turn away its punishment, because they sell the righteous for silver and the poor for a pair of sandals. Okay, and, there, and it keeps on going there. Um, verse 9, it was I, yet it was I who destroyed the Amorite before. In verse 10, it was I who brought you up from the land of Egypt. Verse 11, I raised some of you up as your sons as prophets. And verse 13, behold, I am weighed down by you. What was, he, here he's, he's remind, reminding them of, of his history, but what was the sin of, of Israel? Israel? <laughs> what was my sin? <laughs> what was your sin? Yeah, back to the very beginning. They had, they had placed their trust in the gift instead of the gift giver. Mm-hmm. So, and, and, and the impact, the result of that, look at, look at the significance of verse seven. verse 7. They pant after the dust of the earth, which is the head of the poor, right? And so, uh, in, in David, in the Psalms, you know, he says, my heart panteth as a deer panteth after the water brook, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. So you have here, God had created us 
to long for him, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. He had created us to long for him, just like the deer pants after the water brook on, when, it's being th when it's thirsty and being hunted. And now what has happened is that the shift has, instead of, being shift, instead of their, their sight being shifted towards God, their, their sight has been shifted away from that. Mm -hmm. And what is it being shifted to? It's being shifted to selfishness, injustice, greed. And that's essentially what has happened with God's people. Their sin is that they have forgotten God, and in forgetting God, they have made themselves God, and that has led them down a path of not keeping His law, satisfying themselves, oppressing the poor, etc., etc. Yeah, you see a lot of injustice, a lot of perversion going on. You know, at the end of verse 6, they sell the righteous for silver, the poor for a pair of sandals, which is the most, in the, in the Middle Eastern culture, footwear is, is the most cheapest and the lowest of all things. They're selling people for, for items. Verse 7, you, you mentioned about panting. They pervert the way of the humble. This is a man and his father go into the same girl. They defile his holy name. They lie down in every altar on clothes taken in pledge and drink the wine of the condemned in the house of their God. I mean, there's sexual morality going on. There's holiness laws being violated. There's economic injustice. Just a lot of junk is going on. Yeah, they've, 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 lost, they've lost their sense of the value of humanity, mm. and the God God finds that abhorrent. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Kelly, yes, <laughs> I'm just. I do agree. <laughs> I do agree. It's yeah. It's like why does God have to start? I mean, like him itemizing these things. It's just like oh, they're bad, but he starts itemizing all the different ways that people have lost the regard for humanity and even for themselves. Because it's not like like they're even abusing themselves and mm -hmm. how they're interacting with others. And that's the thing, though, is like they think they're living the life. They're like, oh, I can do what I want. I'm drinking wine. Like, I'm partying up with whoever I want to. Mm -hmm. But it's, you're literally destroying yourself. And mm -hmm. God's like, hey, please stop destroying yourself. Mm -hmm. Feels like it should be basic, but it's not. And But that just shows how clueless we are without the Holy Spirit and how much we need God to enlighten us, even to help ourselves, not just others, mm -hmm. but even to mm -hmm. help ourselves. The concept, of, the concept of this is okay. You know, it is okay for me to do that. You're essentially saying, this is just, this is justice, this is my understanding of justice. It is okay for me to kill myself, it is okay for me to kill others, it is okay, this is okay. And God says, that's not okay, that's a perversion of justice. Mm -hmm. And so you go down to the fundamental issue, a human being cannot really live a life of justice, cannot even understand it, because a natural heart is inclined towards greed. I want to go to uh, this apex here, chapter 4, verse 6. You see in the middle there, yet you have not returned to me. Verse 9, in the middle there, the locusts devoured them, yet you have not returned to me. Verse 10, at the end there, it says, yet you have not returned to me. Verse 11, yet you have not returned to me. It's kind of, God is... is in a way, this is a refrain, this is a, a rap song that comes back to the chorus, yet you have not returned to me. And then the apex in verse 12, therefore this I will do to you, O Israel, because I will do this to you, prepare to meet your God, O Israel. And he enacts judgment. There's, 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 these, there's this punishment going on. This is the role of the prophet, to reveal the heart of God, not out of punishment and anger and, and, and of just enacting execution of, 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 of judgment, but because he wants us to return back to him. Amen. That's our prayer for, for us and for you, is to listen to the voice of the prophets. This is not God nagging or God punishing us, but God imploring return back to him. Join us here next week, here in Inverse. You've been listening to Inverse, a Bible-based conversation with Callie Williams, Israel Ramos, Jared Thomas, Sebastian Braxton, Siku Dako, and your host, Justin Kim. Inverse is brought to you by the Hope Channel, television that changes lives. 
For this and more inspiring episodes, visit inverse.hopetv.org. Find us on social media, hashtag InverseBible. Until next time, this is Inverse.